0: The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present this recording from Saver 2013 in New York City.
1: This recording is from Saturday, June 15th. Brewery Amagang and Oysters, featuring Phil Leinhart from Brewery Amagang.
0: How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Fantastic. Hope you guys are enjoying your night so far. Thank you so much to everybody for attending Saver. Uh, my name is Chris Williams. I work at the Brewers Association. I'll be your host tonight. Um, you guys are here to see a brewery, Oma Gang, and oysters. Um, so let's get excited for that. <laughs> all right. So I want to thank our supporters for helping to make Saver happen uh, Brewers Supply Group for this salon, and uh, also Manhattan beer distributors as well for making all this beer get here. So a uh, big round of applause for them. And then, um, thank you. <laughs> All right. And so also, one thing to note, if I can make sure everybody kind of shuts off their cell phones, just so we don't disturb anything, get a good flow to the evening, Um, just make sure no ringing goes off. And then one thing to note as well, this salon is being recorded by craftbeerradio.com. So after the fact, if you guys want to check it out, uh, posted probably shortly after the event, go to craftbeerradio.com, and you'll be able to hear this salon. So if you want to kind of go back and review. Um, So who we have here tonight, we've got Phil Leinhart from Brewery Gang. And we have Ed McFarland from Ed's Lobsters in New York City. Um, tell you a little bit about these guys, and then I'll let them take it away. So uh, Phil has been brewing for over 25 years in the brewing industry. That's roughly a quarter of a century brewing experience, professional brewing. So he's worked for Harpoon. Uh, he's worked for Manhattan uh, Brewing. He worked a long time for Anheuser-Busch, kind of refining his skills. And then uh, now since 2007, he's been at Brewery Omegang as their director of production. So um, kind of excited to hear him speak, and then as well, we've got Ed McFarland, who is the owner of Ed's Lobster Bar in New York City. Uh, Ed has kind of worked his way through numerous of the top, uh, numerous kitchens and with top chefs throughout New York City. Uh, spent about six years working at the Pearl Oyster, Pearl Oyster in the West Village, uh, where he kind of honed his skills and, and sort of focused on seafood. And now he has uh, has Ed's Lobster Bar. So um, I'll let you guys take it away and uh, go, go right ahead. Enjoy.
1: Grab a mic there, Ed. Why don't you take us through these oysters and how to arrange these. We have these uh, oysters arranged on a plate in a cer- certain sequence. The first beer they're bringing out now is Witta. Uh, then we're going to go to Rare Voss, And then Nomagang and Art of Darkness. And as we're tasting the, these, and after Ed talks about the, the preparations and the pairing, I'll talk a little bit about the beers.
2: Okay, so generally what I, di- I did was I... I- chose a briny oyster for each one. We started with Barcats, Spring Creeks, um, uh, Little little Shimogs, and St. Simone's is the last oyster. So if you look at them, and the plate was vertical, the one with the uh, orange s is the first oyster. Going to your left, there'll be a spicy mayonnaise and mint. Directly across from that is horseradish cake, and next that will be bacon. So that's the order that we're going to go in.
1: Okay, so the one we're tasting first is in the lower right-hand corner. If you have the plate arranged so that the two, the two that are t- together are in the lower right-hand corner. Does that make sense, everybody? The, the two that are together.
2: Mayonnaise should be in the left-hand corner. Orange should be in the right-hand corner facing you.
1: So Ed, are we, are we tasting these two in this corner with Witta?
2: We're going to you're going to taste the two with the wit. Yes. Okay. And what I generally try to do with the first two was bring out the citrus but also provide a little texture for the oyster for the oyster. So in the first one you have lemon lemon salt to provide a little texture and and uh, spruce it up a little bit and orange zest to pair with the citrus and the beer.
1: Okay. So it looks like everybody's digging in. I'm going to dig in, too, and then I'll talk about the beer a little bit. Did you guys get your food yet? Okay. We'll just hold them off a second.
2: Orange, that's yes. Okay.
1: We'll eat slow.
2: It's, it's uh, Lafayette and Spring in Soho. The first oyster is orange. It's uh, orange zest and lemon salt. It is a... um, What did I say it was? I can't remember what I said. Um, No, it's okay. I'll remember in a second. Bad memory. No, it's not on there. It was a Barcat. Barcat, yes. Uh,
1: I'll just talk a little bit about the beer. I mean, I taste something right off the get-go here that pairs with this beer. Uh, Witta is our take on a traditional Belgian white beer. Uh, typically, old style goes back hundreds of years ago, uh, originally brewed uh, around the town of Hoogarden in Belgium. Uh, typically brewed with large amounts of wheat, both uh, unmalted. We use unmalted wheat and malted wheat. Uh, we also use a little bit of oats to give the beer a little bit of a creamy texture. Uh, Traditionally, pretty easy drinking beer, uh, meant to be fairly delicate, not very high in alcohol, uh, you know, what you might call a Belgian session beer, if there is such a thing. Um, but uh, spice, typically, with orange peel, there's, there's a direct note right there with the oyster, orange peel, and uh, coriander. Uh, so I, I get that after I tasted the oyster and then took a sip of the beer, I could definitely, you know, get that connection there. What does everybody think of that pairing?
2: So on the second oyster, what I tried to do was contrast the citrus a little bit with the vinegar. But because the homemade pickles have coriander, bring that flavor also back into it. So it would also contrast and complement the uh, beer at the same time. second one was should be touching the first one so it should be should be right up against it with the uh, pickles in it. Chopped pickles.
1: didn't hear explanation I guess. Yeah these that's that's what you should be tasting in the first time. Yeah. Okay. okay so the that's uh, interesting you used maybe Ed, I don't know when you were like coming up with these the the oysters were you Consciously trying to pair, like the first one had citrus peel, the beer has orange peel in it, and then this one has some coriander in there, and the beer also has coriander.
2: Well, I tried to work with flavors that were going to uh, work well and and uh, bring out the flavors in the beer.
1: So yeah, you can definitely uh, yeah you can start bringing the second beer out.
0: Right.
2: Okay. Okay. So, So one more time on your plate, if in the lower right-hand corner you have the two oysters that are together in front of you by your right hand, and then we're going to go clockwise, so to the left will be the second oyster, up at 11 o'clock will be the third oyster, and at 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock will be the last oyster.
1: Is everybody clear on that? Any questions? Got it.
2: Well, I'm going to go over the garnish. With each, with each oyster. So we're going over the garnish. They set them down sideways, okay? Yeah,
1: that's
2: why you know. Okay. Okay. Well, that's what we said the, uh, the plate was. Yeah. Okay. okay. All
1: right. All right, but is everybody clear now? Is there still questions about which oyster to eat with what beer? <laughs> Talk about confusion. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They should have, like, labels, like... Uh... But these, um, you know, the Witte is a delicate beer. Uh, I consider oyster pretty delicate food, so that, that, that goes well together right there. A lot of our beers do go well with uh, seafood, uh, like our Hennepin, which is our, our kind of like our, our take on a Belgian saison, uh, And also Belgian beer. A lot of beer, Belgian beers in general go well with seafood. Uh, higher carbonation levels that will uh, cut some of the flavors uh, and just uh, our rare voss which we're bringing out now which will go with the next oyster it goes very well with mussels and things like that so does everybody have a rare voss in front of them just making sure everybody has a beer before we move on ok
2: so with the, uh, with the second oyster it's the one with the orange and the mint on top, so that's a uh, spicy mayonnaise made with uh, a fresh, ma- a homemade mayonnaise, a little bit of cayenne, lemon juice, and it's julienne of mint on top, and the mint will provide a little texture for the oyster, and also balance out the spiciness that you get off the beer, as well as the spicy mayonnaise. So it should create a, a a creamy texture in your mouth when you have the uh, oyster and then the beer. It certainly worked with the first one. You'll be fine. Does <laughs> everybody know what
1: oyster they're eating, or everybody clear? Okay. You can't ever do it. Just the want to wrong make sure way. there's no it's
2: more Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so Rare Voss.
1: Yes, question?
2: That was the um, Spring Creeks from Massachusetts. So the beer
1: you're drinking now is our Rare Voss. That's our take on a, a Belgian amber. There's a long history between Belgium and England in terms of brewing. Uh, there was a lot of cross-pollination. Uh, Belgian brewers would go to England to be schooled and vice versa. Uh, and so, and especially in World War I, a lot of Brits being in Belgium, uh, a lot of Belgian breweries developed traditions of brewing uh, uh, you know, pale ales, English-style pale ales, and so forth. In fact, Duval, who were owned by the Belgian brewery Duval, their yeast strain came from Scotland. Um, and so this is our take on, like, a Belgian uh, amber ale. It has, uh, in addition to Pilsner malt, uh, a good helping of American and Belgian caramel malts, uh, spiced or hopped totally with Styrian goldings, and then uh, some unique spices. has orange peel and coriander as well as grains of paradise. So I think that's where Ed is talking about, the spiciness from the beer. A lot of that, I mean, a lot of it comes from the yeast strain. Belgian yeast strains are very uh, phenolic and spicy to begin with but also that Grains of Paradise really lends it a very clovey, spicy character. So I I thought that was a really nice pairing. I I like the spicy food to begin with. This beer at our cafe, I'm sorry, a question?
2: Uh, we just met about ten minutes ago. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I happened to be walking down the street last night, and we uh, crossed paths. He yeah, me been open a few oysters. No, we have we have a program in Oma
1: Gang calls. Uh, it's called Great Food Deser- Great Beer Deserves Great Food. Uh, we work a lot. I mean, that's part of Belgian beer. The, uh, it goes hand in hand with uh, food, and so we foster. Uh, relationships with a lot of chefs. We have a competition called Hop Chef where di- uh, different chefs from around the country uh, come up the re- with recipes and they have competitions. And then we have the final up in Cooperstown at Belgium comes to Cooperstown. So we're doing a lot of work with restaurants, chefs. We have a cafe uh, at the brewery in Cooperstown. So if you're ever in the area. We, up there, we do a lot with the Rare voss with mussels. We pair the Rare voss a lot with, with the mussels up there. Yes. Uh, some people who are familiar with our brand, We uh, about a year ago, it's, it was a transition period, but we're, we've completed our new rebranding with all new labels. So what do you think? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're really visually stunning labels. And uh, I, one of the most important things is that it gives them a commonality. So on a shelf, you can tell all those beers come from gang, Whereas bef- the, the old labels were interesting too, but they were like, each very unique, so you didn't know that each one came from gang, So, by and large, we've had very good, uh, seen very good results with those those new labels. Yes. Uh, the question was how the Game of Thrones beer is doing, or beers. Uh, excellent. I mean, uh, my my partner at work there, Bill Wetmore, he just. I have to write up a, a contract with him each time. Uh, he tells me how many brews I need to do because it keeps changing every week and I can't put a ceiling on it. Uh, but that's good that, that's good. problems. Uh, we're, you know That just sold like it just evaporated. Uh, we brewed, I think we ended up brewing about twice as many brews as we had originally planned. Uh, our next beer will be uh, coming out in uh, October, late September, October. And we're planning on doing about at least twice the volume of the first beer. So, uh, great reception uh, overall. Uh, and you know, it's introducing our beer to people who haven't had our beer before. Um, so it's just, so far it's been a great partnership and we have two more beers coming out next year. So you're all Game of, not only Gang and Oyster fans, but Game of Thrones fans, or? <laughs> ah, we should have had a viewing here. <laughs>
2: Okay,
1: you can, oh my god, it's not over Yes. Where, where was that, where, where, oh yeah? Yeah. it's. Uh, I, I've actually it's a, I, I actually have gotten, n- not many, but a few nasty emails, like people saying, how could you brew so little volume of that beer? And I'm like, I just do what Bill Wetmore tells me to brew. So if you have a grape, go to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are very passionate about beer and Game of Thrones. I- yeah yeah what's that yeah good yeah well i'm excited for the the other beers and you know some when i first found out about the 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 deal i was a little concerned you know i didn't want to be seen as selling out per se but game of thrones is such a niche show and it's kind of like a cult in itself and uh as far as us as brewers it um it just allows more avenue for creativity for us. It's not like we're taking uh, past beers and repurposing them. We're actually creating new beers, you know, and in a different way, too. We're not just thinking about ingredients and flavors. We're trying to match concepts and images from the show. So it's kind of a neat way to, uh, uh, to develop a beer. So it's been a lot of fun. Okay, see they're bringing out uh, Gang, the third beer. Um, so maybe, Ed, you can talk about the next oyster and what it looks like first.
2: So the next oyster is a little shimag and it's from New Brunswick. Uh, once again, a uh, medium briny oyster. And as the beer flavor got stronger and, and bolder, so did the pairings that we did. So what's on there is a horseradish cake. It's grated horseradish that's soaked in vinegar for 24 hours. It's strained, mixed with flour, fried, and chopped into a horseradish cake crumb. And it's mixed with wasabi salt. The wasabi salt's not very spicy in the amount that we use, but it adds a unique flavor combination with the horseradish and the beer.
1: I'm looking forward to this one. I love horseradish. Uh, Noma gang is there, has everybody here had noma gang or, or no is our I think it was our first collaboration on, uh, th- we have a couple sister breweries that are also owned by duval uh, and a schuof brewery and uh, is one of them and this was a collaboration with them. We basically took a uh, It's kind of like a Belgian strong grain bill, Belgian strong ale, or even like a triple grain bill. Uh, But we use the Achouf yeast strain. The Achouf yeast strain is one of the most uh, unique yeast strains I've ever encountered. I mean, even for a Belgian strain, uh, it's one of the highest um, ester producing fruity flavors and aromas, as well as phenolics. It's a very spicy uh, yeast strain. And I remember. The first time I had some of these Schuf beers and, and tasting them, and I, I swear there were some spices in there, and they weren't brewed with spices. It was all from the yeast. Um, and this beer, we like I said, we kind of brewed it as a Belgian strong, and, you know, how does that differ from a triple? They're so close. But uh, at last uh, World Beer Cup um, last year, I entered this in the triple. No, this is at the European Beer Star. I'm sorry. It's a uh, competition in Germany. And instead of uh, putting in this in the category of Belgian strong, I put in the category of triple, and it won gold medal. Uh, so all triples from all over the world. And, uh, thank you. But uh, this beer is all about the uh, the, the yeast strain. It's a, like I say, it's a fairly uh, delicate uh, grain bill. The hopping's not real high, um, but it's just that yeast strain coming through. And that was kind of funny. I, th- I think it was our first collaboration, and I. We may have talked to Shuf a little bit about that. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we got their yeast strain, but from a local yeast uh, yeast house, and uh, they heard about the beer and, and they had it, and they said, "We love this beer." It's just next time you do a collaboration with us, can you let us know? <laughs> but uh, this, uh, uh, we're going to probably bring back this, I guess, every year as a as a special, and maybe full time. We'll see. Yes.
0: So it seems like. It's, it,
2: it seems like yeast strains typically are a little bit underappreciated when it comes to grain billing and developing a beer. Can you comment on, you know? Well,
1: I mean, yeast strain is huge in beer flavor. I mean, that the, the, the uh, yeast strains produce thousands of aroma flavor compounds. Top f- fermented beers like ales or Belgian uh, beers uh, typically produce and are fermented warmer, and those strains due to their uh, genetics in those warmer fermentations uh, will produce higher levels of esters and aldehydes and ketones and all these yeah, chemicals. Yeah, I, 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 my, que-
2: my question was a little bit more centered around mm-hmm. when you have a yeast strain like this that's more particular to a certain beer, as a as somebody who develops beers, how do you expand on something like that? I mean, do you start to think about how you could use this strain in a different way, or is this more of a next-generation version of the same beer? what sense. do you mean in,
1: t- in like in relation to the Eshuf beers or something yeah. or yeah that's. yeah, it was just we, we just a way to do a collaboration with them and the, the obvious thing was to like we brew a beer uh at up in Cooperstown, but use their yeast strain because it is just so signature it's such a it's such a signature i mean I can taste that yeast strain uh, no matter what beer it was put in I, it's just very unique and very typical and uh so. All right, I got to try this oyster. You somebody can answer a question for you pick That was Bill Wetmore, uh, my uh, nemesis. So he offered a bottle of Game of Thrones. I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with it. but no. No. Kind of a funny story, but when I heard we were going to do this uh, partnership with Game of Thrones... I asked our our boss, Simon Thorpe, I said, can I be on the show as, like, the village brewer? (laughs) I would have done that. But, uh, no, HBO is very strict about stuff, so. That would have been kind of fun, (laughs) though. Get dressed up in a bear skin and, like. Yes, another question. Yes, we do. We do some uh, open fermentation. Uh, we we have one open fermenter that we typically put uh, at least one, sometimes two batches through uh, a week. It's something I would like to do in the future. I'd like to build as we build more capacity at the brewery. I'd like to put in more open fermentation. It it produces a different beer than uh, you know cylindrical conical tanks. Um, so. Yeah, we we do open fermentation. It's not all of our beer isn't 100% open fermented, but uh, we do a fair amount and blending. Excuse me? Oh, um, well, the, you, any, the question was, do we, any specific styles of brands that we put through open fermentation? That was the question. Um, pretty much everything... Uh, One of the reasons, uh, one of the main reasons we put beer beer through the open fermentation is that we top crop that yeast rather than collect in a a cylindrical conical fermenter. You you harvest from the cone of the tank, but in open fermentation, you harvest the top. And that yeast is very healthy because it's not under the beer. It's not under all this hydrostatic pressure. Uh, That yeast is very viable and it's very vital. It's very healthy, and we like to use that yeast for refermentation in the bottle uh, because refermentation can be a very stressful environment for yeast. So, if you're using a yeast that is on its last legs, you have a danger of that refermentation not coming to completion. Um, so, we some of the like Hennepin, uh, Abbey, three fills, those beers, uh, due to their, their work composition, we get a very good crop of top yeast, a very healthy crop. So those are the main beers that we put through the open fermentation.
0: I have a question.
1: Yes.
2: Actually, this is for Ed. Um, so with the, I, do you have a food truck? And if you don't, with the whole, you know, food truck craze and there being only, I think only one or two really lobster food, roll food trucks in the city, do you ever consider going into that? I used to have a cart downtown at Battery Park that operated for three years. Um, I chose not to renew the lease this year. I'm not a big fan of uh, of food trucks in general, and I don't Why? think well they're great. <laughs> I, I think they they serve their purpose, but I'm a, I'm a brick and mortar type of person. I like to be in the restaurant, and uh, I think the product that you produce from a restaurant is much better than what you produce from a food truck. And and for me, quality over quantity is more important. That's fair.
0: Another question over here, guys. Ed. Phil and Ed, I think we have one more question for you guys.
2: How long can I keep my um, beer tucked away for a special occasion?
1: Uh, well, it depends on the beer. Which one? And
2: uh, well, I like Hennepin.
1: <laughs> Hennepin... Um, I think uh, we'd have it best before two years on hennepin. I personally like hennepin um, on the fresher side, but uh she does too. yeah I do. You, so you can't keep it tucked away you just you get too thirsty, i guess but uh hennepin is something you could lay down for two years and it still will uh, you know it'll get a little more mellow uh, it takes on a little bit of oxidation, but uh not in an unpleasant way i mean that's one of the benefits of bottle conditioned beer it's a beer uh, you know most of the beers can age gracefully for a period of time especially the darker beers like this one that's bring out being brought out now art of darkness is something you could put down for five years you know uh darker beers will age more gracefully than paler beers because as they oxidize they take on characters of port or sherry whereas a paler beer just starts to taste like kind of papery and, and oxidized but uh Had it been up to two years, I'd say. So Ed just had a good question. Uh, Why don't we hold the beer and age it? And we we actually do do that uh, to uh, like some of our three fills. We'll hold on to a couple pallets. Uh, We're holding on now to a couple pallets, I believe, that will release in a couple of years. And in the past, we have done some. uh, We have local caves called Howes Caverns. Uh, where we were cave-aging three philosophers, Abby, Hennepin, but uh, they came under new ownership and kicked us out. But uh, we may be doing a project. There's some other... uh, There's a very old estate at the north end of Lake Otsego, and uh, they have uh, crypts and grottos underground, and they said they'd be interested in having us age our beer there, so that may be something we'd do there. As long as it's not a crypts like with skeletons in it and stuff like that. That'd be a little creepy, but... About Does everybody have Art of Darkness? Or... I think it's in the process.
0: We are about there. You can probably start talking about it.
2: The next oyster is a St. Simone from New Brunswick, and I think oysters go very well with darker beers, and I think this is one of the better pairings that we did. What I have is a double-smoked bacon that was crisped, and I made a uh, Sambuca and bacon fat emulsion to put on top of the oyster. And I think that the chocolatiness and coffee flavor from the beer will really complement the Sambuca and bacon fat combination.
0: And I have a question about the Sambuca and bacon fat uh, emulsion. How do you do that? Wanna, <laughs> how, do you, how do you emulsify Sambuca into the bacon fat? Okay.
2: So you need to have uh, the bacon fat needs to be warm, but um, so this way it's, it's not solidified. And with a uh, hand immersion blender, you slowly uh, add the Sambuca into it until you get the right flavor and combination. It's pretty simple, but you got to cook the bacon first. For sure. Very cool. <laughs>
1: Excuse me, yeah, that, that's a good one, and I thought you could only like pair delicate beers with oysters, but Art of Darkness is uh, a substantial beer, to say the least, and uh, the oyster, the preparation of it stands right up to the beer. Yeah. Ed. How do you just go about evaluate, evaluating an oyster as far as its taste, character, or what to pair it with?
2: Um, all, all the oysters, r- regardless of where they come from, I, I generally want to always use a cold water oyster, and myself personally, I don't take anything south of Virginia, and I go from Virginia straight up through uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island, and generally what you're going to find is it's either a sweet oyster, a um, mildly briny oyster, or a very briny oyster, um, and, and what I like to do at the restaurant is I serve a combination straight through of the oysters. If you want to pair oysters with beer or, or even wine, you generally are always going to go with a brawnier oyster because it's going to stand up with the flavor profile of whatever you're drinking, especially when you're pairing with beer. I hope I answered Got that a way. question right here. Are you only doing East
0: Coast oysters?
2: I only do East Coast oysters. The uh, concept of the restaurant is strictly East Coast, and I'm not a big fan of West Coast oysters. Thank <laughs> Are they too big? Uh, uh, well, no, it's not, it's not about the size. I'm just kidding. It's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the creaminess and the metallic flavor of the oyster, and I think you can get better flavor combinations, and the product is better quality on the East Coast. Atlantic fish, North Atlantic fish and seafood in general is better than West Coast.
1: Yeah. Ooh.
2: Did we have a question here?
0: Did you have a question?
1: When you were choosing, um, maybe I missed it a minute ago, but when you were choosing which um, oysters to pair with the specific types of beers, uh, as far as the salinity goes, how did, you, how did you pair them up? How did you choose which oysters went with which Well, beers?
2: I wanted to start with the mildest salinity for the, for the, uh, for the lighter beers and go to more salinity uh, as for the darker beers and flavor, more flavor.
1: And who is your Virginia distributor, just out of curiosity? Excuse me? Who is your Virginia distributor for oysters?
2: I don't know if I can give that information out here. Because <laughs> we can talk later.
0: Do we have any other questions in here? I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. No? Just enjoying
1: So you've gone and talked about East Coast oysters, but what about like, something like the Kumamoto? Like, I don't think there's anything from the East Coast that compares to like that style of oyster.
2: The West Coast oysters and East Coast oysters are very, very yeah. different in flavor and in style. Even in the size of the oyster, they're very different. Um, I'm just personally, I'm not a big fan of West Coast oysters, so I always generally go with, with anything from the East Coast. But it's the, the more important thing when choosing an oyster is that it's from cold water and not from warm water. Uh, cold water oysters in general have less bacteria and they're going uh, to taste better. They're going to be uh, more flavorful and better for you.
1: Okay, I'm getting uh, hints that I need to give away this uh, bottle of Game of Thrones. What's the, what is the criteria here? Uh, what's that?
0: How much do you know about Game Should of Thrones, be? Phil?
1: I, I'm not the <laughs> scholar, that's for sure. <laughs>
2: I gave out very little information about the, uh, the oysters today and because and the beer is really the star of the show. I didn't tell you how any of the oysters were uh, produced, whether they're suspended or if they're at the bottom of the ocean and, and what the differences are. So I think uh, the question is on the St. Simone Oyster. Can anyone tell me uh, how, how uh, it's produced, if it's, if it's sitting on the bottom or if it's suspended just below the top of the surface? I think
0: we've got to go with one person here. Maybe you need another question. Okay. Are, we, are we trying to give this beer away for that question? All right, let's okay. do one more question. Okay. And first person to raise their hand will get the mic. Luke, keep an eye on this.
2: What's the distinguishing characteristic between a, a suspended oyster and an oyster that's on the bottom of the ocean? I saw
0: that one.
1: The thickness of the shell.
2: Can you elaborate a little more cuz it's not really necessarily what it is? Um,
1: it's uh, it's grainier. So it's uh, there's more defined
2: characteristics outside of the shell. Let's let's have a judge's consultation here. <laughs> okay, you have a winner there. All right.
1: Have to chop your head off first. And for though. me, it's
2: really just the shape of the shell. When you have a suspended oyster, it has a very even and defined cup. Each oyster is very consistent from oyster to oyster, and oysters that are grown sitting on the bottom of the uh, ocean will be very different in shape and size, very inconsistent.
1: Do we so, have any other? Uh, anybody have a favorite pairing out of all these wonderful pairings? I kind of like the last one. That was really uh, unique. Last one,
0: everybody. Oh, we've got a question over here.
1: The question? Is that a question? Yeah. Oh. Have, yes. Question back there. I have, I have there.
0: a two-part question. What is your favorite beer that you guys have produced? Your ultimate favorite
1: that we have produced. Yeah, you know, I mean, brewers get asked that question a lot, and it's it's really it's a very tough question to answer because I love a lot of beers uh, we we produce just at different times. Um, You know, I will say, kind of like an in-house favorite is Rare Voss because it's it's something it goes well with a lot of different foods. Uh, It's not super high in alcohol, so you can have a few of. But um, I, I like all of the beers we make when we make them, you know, and at different times of the year.
0: Okay, my second question is, what beer would you drink other than your beer? Like, what is your favorite beer that you drink other than your beer?
1: Um, well, I mean, I, I love Duval, of course. That's another loaded question, but uh, I love Duval and other Belgian beers. I love German beers. I spent time in Germany working and studying, and I love the German Helles beers and Pilsners, uh, I love all kinds of styles. I, uh, you know, I really, I've loved beer ever since I was 14 years old. And uh, I, I believe there's a place and time for every style of beer. I hope that answers your question.
0: Like picking your favorite kid. Any uh, question over here?
1: You said you love pilsners. Mm-hmm. Do you think you guys will ever do a pilsner? I don't know. Possibly. I mean, like a Belgian-style pilsner. I mean, uh, yeah, th- that could be something that's in the future for us. I can't say for sure now, but it'd be totally different than what we do now. I mean, a bottom fermenting yeast, longer cycle times. Uh, but, yeah, that could be a possibility. At least as like a, maybe a limited release or something like that. We've got a buyer here. Okay. Uh, Ed, this question is for you, just uh, quickly. What, what kind of makes your restaurant different than some of the other seafood places in the city? Like, what's your point of difference? What do you, what do you aim to showcase to the world every day when you're serving food to the general public?
2: You know what, what we really showcase at the restaurant is is lobster done in numerous ways. So, you know, most of the seafood restaurants you can go in, you can get a lobster roll, you get a piece of fillet fish, you can get some sort of pasta dish with with seafood, but. My menu is uh, 70% lobster, so you can come in and get lobster meatballs, lobster ravioli, lobster pot pie, lobster bisque, a lobster roll, lobster cook, however you want it. Um, so that's, that's what's going to showcase and, and differentiate my restaurant from the other seafood restaurants in the city.
1: And is there any spe- uh, specific area of the world that's inspired cuisine more than others, or...
2: I don't know that it's, uh, it's more or less inspired by anywhere in the world. I'm classically French trained. Um, I've worked in some very good restaurants in, in New York City. I think it's more or less inspired by home cooking and uh, simplicity of dishes that we produce without going crazy. You know, you can, you can go to a lot of places and get a lobster ravioli somewhere and it's got 15 things inside of it. But if you come in and have a lobster ravioli with me, there's only lobster in it. So I think it's all about simplicity and, and uh, home style cooking.
0: I think we might have another question over here
1: i actually drove up from dc today and uh i don't know where your restaurant is so i'm a lobster fiend so i'd like to know where your where your restaurant is we're at
2: 222 lafayette street it's between spring and broom in soho all
0: right any other questions before we kind of wrap up in here guys Anybody? All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you both so much for doing this. It's fantastic. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And Phil. Um, Thank you. Thank you guys for sticking around, being a great audience, and enjoy the rest of your night, all right? Thank you for listening to this recording from Saver 2013, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Saver 2013, as well as all the salons from previous years, at craftbeerradio.com saver, or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.